Yes, you lovely people. If you're not already, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify. And we decided that we were not going to leave that house that night until we signed him. This idea that people have, oh, listen, let's let's drop down and let's see how things go and learn learn your managerial ropes down there. I just think that's absolute nonsense. And then I had to face the um, the wrath of the Leicester City fans on the on the Saturday. Martin, I'm going to bring your car around the back, you know. So. Oh yeah, and Skip I said, the crowd. I said, no, no, I'm going through the front door here. How did you find it up in Scotland? Uh, it was uh, intense. Yeah, really intense, Dad. Um, see all that bad language that they, the crowd was that at you I said I'm afraid so <laughs> and then my wife this little Irish voice from the passenger side comes over to me. well you deserved it anyway if you can't beat Sheffield United at home you deserve it what chance you got <laughs> uh, Curtis said ah he always had his favourites if I'd been there I would have interjected and said yeah that's true Curtis because they usually were my best players you know oh so, I like uh, it I like it man. So. I like it there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Foscast. I am looking forward to this one today. We have got one of the most well-respected football managers of my era in the podcast studio with us today. Nearly a thousand games under his managerial belt. We've got Leicester, Aston Villa, Celtic and the Republic of Ireland. Just some of the teams that he's been responsible for. It's Martin O'Neill. Hello there, Ben. How are you? I'm incredible. Thank you for coming Not at all. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, You've got a book coming out, Martin, right? And thank you, by the way, for sending us early doors. Uh, it's a fantastic read. Um, one of the big things that I took away from the book, though, okay, Martin, was one managerial, being a manager, basically, is very hard. It's hard work. It, that's what it sounds like to me. But two, it's made even more difficult by the fact that so many people, kind of like at board level, whether it's owners, chairman, mm -hmm. they just love to stick their oar in and get involved, right? Yeah. Yep. Well... Yeah, I mean, but that's that, that's it's almost a given now that that's what they do. Um, and in this day and age, I think that there's more people feel that this as if they could manage the club better than the, than the manager. Genuinely think that. And um, people have views. Well, for instance, you know, you're talking about the changes in the game. When when I was a player, you you were dealing with a manager and an assistant manager and a coach maybe if, obviously a physiotherapist or something like this here, but there wasn't this long list of people. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have a chief, exe a chief executive to worry about or a manager didn't have that. What does a chief executive <clears throat> actually do? Well, it depends really in many aspects. Of course, there's, there are football directors now, so there's essentially two jobs. One, a chief executive, I assume, is looking after the whole football club. Yeah, club on a bigger such, picture. On a bigger picture. Yeah. And uh, a director of football, is actually at this minute, I would suggest probably picking a lot of the players. Yeah, in uh, your in your early days, sorry, Martin. I think this is where football's evolved, doesn't it? So in your your early days as a manager, um, and even till I guess what early two thousands, mid two thousands, mm -hmm. managers would manage the club as well as the team, wouldn't yeah. they? Whereas these days they are they would called, take control of everything. Basically, yeah, yeah. it yeah. depends on the club, obviously. <clears throat> but now ninety percent of managers are. Head coaches, that's what their title yeah, is, isn't you're it? You're absolutely right. This is it. And I think with the retirement of Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger, the last of the big boys, even the dinosaurs, as they might be called, who looked after the whole football club, uh, that is gone now, and you're dead right. So um, a football manager is really essentially a coach. He's um, a, member of, a member of a staff, you know, as, as much as anything else. And um, so his role... Um, 
is not as big as it used to be before. Now, for instance, you know, Alex Ferguson, if he came back into management, would want to complete control again, as I'm sure Arsene Wenger would want control. Is the way I used to run the football club as well. You know, when I went to Celtic, the owner of the football club, Dermot Desmond, said to me, I want you to take ownership, not the actual ownership of the club, which I wouldn't have minded, but the actual in charge of everything, really everything. And I think that my own view is that I think something is lost a little bit in, in today's game when, for instance, a player signs at a football club but doesn't see the manager. You know, I'm every player that I signed, I had to see them. I had to speak to them beforehand because they're coming to they're coming to be managed by me. They're coming into a football club. I have to give them uh, some idea of what was happening. And before they signed, I'd like to sit down like we're doing today and sit down and see what they're hopes and aspirations were, where I could help them, where I could uh, supposedly help them, more importantly, where they could help me in, in terms of the football club. And those things, have, I think they've been gradually lost. Obviously, big changes, <clears throat> money in the games, um, ferociously big. There seems to be, as they, this, this line of communication now that didn't exist in my day. Some people do it very, very well, you know, some of the very, very big clubs. But I would say that, I would say that um, the like the Klopp, for instance, Klopp and uh, and Guardiola would, I would say that they still have major says and how they're the football managers, club. They're managers, managers, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they've earned the right to do that. Yeah. This is the whole point. You know, their records in the last number of years have been terrific. And uh, Guardiola's managed in in Spain, obviously, and managed in Germany. So they've earned that right. But you know, but um, so there, those differences are so so vast. I think that's that for me is the big <clears throat> the big thing that's gone from the game. I think there's too many money men involved in football nowadays who want to have a say on the players that they sign and can we make money from them in the future, that kind of thing. I, you say there earlier about um, you used to go and meet the players and you'd go and watch them, all that kind of stuff. I remember when I was playing, I was on loan at Wrexham when I was younger and I got wind that Man United were trying to sign me mm-hmm. and we were playing away at Port Vale and Sir Alex Ferguson and Tony Coton were sat in the stand watching me play. I'm a I'm a nobody goalkeeper here, Martin, by the way. Like, I, I would cost a million pound maximum, but still, that was the detail of Sir Alex Ferguson. He would come and he would watch me and then he would ask everybody about me. He'd find out due diligence, you know what I mean? Yeah. Find out what sort of a pl- player are you signing? Because you need to know that mm-hmm. when the chips are down, basically, for me, that's a big thing in football. Yeah. When the chips are down, they'll dig in and they'll get involved. He was making that decision though, wasn't he, Ben? Exactly. But yeah, the, yeah. these days, often it isn't. Martin, how difficult is it? Like these days, for example, if you're if you're a coach and you don't have a say on the player coming in, that must be really difficult well, to wrap your head around. Well, it is. It, it it would be for me. I must admit. But if if young coaches are coming into the game and this is the this is the opportunity that they're having, and these are the um, these are the parameters that are set for you, absolutely yeah. that yeah. they have to work under. I'm sorry. Then then you go with this. It must be very difficult, particularly if you know some of the players that uh, perhaps maybe the director of football wants to sign and you're not widely sure about them yourself. So, But what happens, of course, is that generally speaking, if the things don't go so well, the manager goes whether he signed them or not and the director of football generally stays around until he's messed it up so badly that they have to get rid he of it. He gets a few lives, though, at least, doesn't he? Gets he gets a few lives. He gets a few lives, yeah. Exactly. Did you, did you ever meet with a player? Because obviously, like you said, Ben, with, with Sir Alex Ferguson, <coughs> did you ever meet with players and think, no, they're not going to fit my team or my squad? I, I think that that would be very difficult to, to make vast assumptions on just a meeting with somebody. Because, for instance, if this player wants to come, he's going to show great enthusiasm. Yeah. I want to play, I want to be at your football club. If, for instance, someone that you do want to sign is a wee bit more laid back and think, mm, well, well, no, I'll hear what you have to say, but, you know, uh, there's another club down the road and I want to, want to speak to them, then you either think one of two things. Number one, is he worthwhile signing? Shall I stick with this? Shall I really stick with this here? Or shall I just give it up? But generally, there were one or two players at that times. For instance, I signed Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon at the time, and Neil, uh, this was at Leicester then, and signed him to uh, to Celtic as well too. But he was playing for Crew Alexander. And I was very, very lucky because I was able to see Crew play three consecutive times. Um, two in an FA Cup games, I think it was against Southampton, one at Bradford City. So I saw Lennon. I needed the players quickly because I'm having a tough time at Leicester. I need him in at the football club. And you think, you, you think that he can solve the problems, which he eventually did, but this stage. And so... 
Uh, John Robertson, my assistant, who wonderful footballer at uh, at Nottingham Forest, that great little Scottish player. He was my assistant at the time. We drove up to Stockport where Neil was um, was staying, and we decided that we were not going to leave that house that night until we signed him. And because Brian Clough had done this with, uh, I think it might have been Roy McFarlane away back uh-huh. years and years ago when Roy McFarlane, and uh, so we thought, oh well, well if they if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. So eventually, but Ron Atkinson was the manager of Coventry City at the time there. And Coventry were in a bigger division and chances are they were going to be able to offer him more money. So that 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 was tough. But Lennon decided uh, he'll come He's to us. He's going to do it. He'll come to us. But, uh, and it was really great. And it was, it was, the whole night was really worthwhile. There's a, um, there's a fantastic story in your book about um, trying to sign a, a player for Leicester. Um, and like I said earlier, the, the chairman, the owner, gets wind of it gets involved, sticks his oar in, yeah. and basically <laughs> that is the end of your Leicester career after that. No, what, no, what, no, what happened is this, that uh, I think you might be t- talking about um, transfer deadline was coming up. I needed, I needed someone in the club to give us that little bit of lift. Yeah. You know, Crowder baying for your blood. And um, so I couldn't get hold of the chairman, Mr. George, for, for the day before transfer deadline. And in those days, transfer deadline was like the third Thursday. In he's turned March. his phone off, Martin. That's what he's done. He's, he's thinking no more money turned, left, all right? He's Nothing. turned his phone off. And so I had a player in the, in the office with his agent. Well, I shouldn't have been doing this. Yeah. But I'm taking the law into my own hands because I'm... Backs to the I'm, wall. Yes. And so, so the, um, the chairman walks past eventually. And I, I mean, we're about an hour and a half before, uh, before a transfer deadline. And he walks past and he looks in and he summons me to, my, to his office. And he says, what's happening here? I said, I couldn't get hold of you all day. And I, I'm trying to sign a player. He said, no, you're not. You're not doing any such thing. And I said, well, I've actually made them an offer. And if, and, uh, if they accept the offer, I said, uh, then you'll have to tell them. He said, I beg your pardon. So I'm well out of my, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing these things at all, but I, I'm honestly, I'm, I, I want to try and do it. So anyway, he said, I'm doing no such thing. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I go back into the room again and um, I say to the player and the agent, right, the offer I've made, you've 10 seconds in which to make your mind up. And I'm hoping beyond hope that they do not say, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> and they're hemming and hawing and I've got to the 10 seconds. Right, out, out, finish. Out. <laughs> too so, late. Too late. And then I had to face the... Um, the wrath of the Leicester City fans on the on the Saturday, but after that, after transfer deadline, when they were totally underwhelmed about the players that, that I was trying to take into the club. However, muzzy is it, I signed on loan. I signed on loan from Chelsea, and I knew all about Muzzy, but because when I was manager of Wicked Wonders, I used to watch Chelsea reserves every second Monday night at Kingstonian wow. ground, all the time. So I knew all those Chelsea reserve players inside out, and I knew that Muzzy was a really good player. He Probably at that stage wasn't going to be playing in Glenn Hoddle's uh, Chelsea team, yeah. but I knew that he could do it. So uh, he was a game changer for us as well too. So, but um, not before, not before I incurred the wrath of the fans. But listen, life turned 
brilliantly for me and uh, Leicester became a really great some of those sorry some of those Leicester players by the way in that Leicester team oh my god so I I was a Tottenham fan growing up as a Mm. kid and um, I still remember the cup final uh, the league cup final against Leicester and um, Alan Nielsen scoring that stinky goal and um, but no some of the players like I say um, another player Steve Guppy Mm -hmm. okay so I I know Steve Guppy a little bit right so I was at Stoke with Steve when he was when I was a youngster and um Steve was a very, um, he, he was just the loveliest man, loveliest man. Like I say, he, he played for England, mm. wonderful left foot, absolute wonderful yeah. left foot. But um, he loves his fishing, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, he does. Absolutely uh, yeah. loves his fishing. Yeah. And uh, he, he always used to come in and like, lads, anybody want to go fishing? And I was like, I like fishing. I love fishing. Right. So um, I got to know him quite well, actually, but just by sitting on the side of like a lake bank and we would just sit there in absolute peace and quiet. One night we actually camped out overnight and like he got up, I remember four in the morning or something like that, the alarms going off and him sprinting out like it was the biggest thing thing in the world to catch this massive carp and stuff. Right? what a guy there yeah. what a lovely guy yeah he was I when I went to Wickham Wonders he was a very young boy then at that time and always wanted to learn always wanted to improve his game even after little training sessions and we were only doing two nights a week you know uh, he would uh, he would be the last one he'd be crossing balls all the time dropping the shoulder crossing balls and um, so uh, he did well enough at Wickham for Newcastle United under Kevin Keegan to sign him but he was going into a, 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 I mean, a group of players who Newcastle were brilliant at the yeah. time. So that was going to be very difficult for him. It didn't work out from then. He went to he went to Port Vale, and then when I was manager of Leicester, I thought I, I I took him to Leicester one season, one season man that we played. He never missed one minute of the season. He played every single minute. Now sometimes I had to defend him in the dressing room because he might be a bit quiet, and sometimes the criticism. You know, I can see Neil Lennon now showing, hey, Gops, you should do this and do that. <laughs> I said, hold on, no, he's doing fine. He's doing absolutely fine. He's crossing those balls in. That should be for the likes of uh, Heskey. Somebody get on the end of it, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so Stevie did really, really well. And, um, and on the back of that, they ended up going to England, playing one international yeah. game under Kevin Keegan, which is the irony of it all. And now he's coaching in Nashville and doing exceptionally well. He and uh, another lad I had at Wickham, Called Gary Smith, they've been uh, they've been terrific. So Stevie was, I took him on as a coach at in the the Republic of Ireland, essentially working with wide players, dropping the shoulder, and uh, he just lo- he loves the coaching. He absolutely adores it, you know. Yeah. And um, anything, wanting to learn all the time, even at the, even at the age he is, you know. So it's great, great to see, and it's good to see him doing well. Ah, uh, we wish him the best. He's a fantastic yeah. guy. What a lovely when bloke. Talk about getting to know players, because obviously um, there's there's some players that stayed with you. You you bought to different clubs with yeah. your career, but I want to just talk about how quickly you get to know players. Cause in, in the modern day game in 2022, if, <clears throat> if you don't get off to a good start, eight games, 10 games in, you, you could be gone. Um, there was a, a really funny story in your book, which I, if you wouldn't mind telling about Steve Walsh yeah. and his Friday routine <laughs> of, um, coming to your office, which, I, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe this story. But by the way, I'm reading this book, reading this particular story, particular story, I am nodding my head going, yep, I've seen that. I've seen plenty of them sort Is of that, players. Honestly, well, Walsh, Walsh was a, a terrific centre-half, terrific centre-half. On the field, he was a monster. You know, he would, have, he would have been in hitting people in the back of the heads. He would have been hitting, headbutting people. He was really strong. And it wasn't as if to say he'd been there a week at the football club. He was a hero with the Leicester City fans at Filbert Street at this time. So this is my my first week there. So I'm signed on the Tuesday uh, to not not magical acclaim. I'm not so sure about the about the um, Leicester City fans because Mark McGee had just left to go to Wolves. I had just left Norwich to go there. They thought there's another merry-go-round. And of course, my connection with Nottingham Forest probably didn't help, you yeah. know. So all of those things. But anyway, so... We're, we're going to Grimsby. We obviously want to get off, as you say, bend off to a good start. And um, so we finished the training. Everybody seems to be fine. And next thing you know, there's a knock on the door. And he's, uh, you know, and it's big Stevie Walsh. Big, strong Stevie Walsh. Big, strong Stevie. He said, uh, he said, oh, Gaffer, he said, I don't know where I can make it tomorrow. He said, but you weren't injured in the training. You're okay. Oh, I'm, I, I'm in bits. His favourite phrase, <laughs> I'm in bits. I'm in bits. <laughs> I said, I, what do you mean you're in bits? Oh, I said, I just, honestly, I'm just a mess. And I'm a, said, but you just did uh, an hour's training there this morning. You know? Didn't say a word. Hadn't said a word. So I said, hold on. So I call in the physio, Alan Smith. And I said, Alan. And Alan then is coming, Stevie, hold on. 
Just take your time, all right? We'll get things sorted out. We'll come up tonight, tramming up to Grimsby over, overnight. We'll get the things, we'll get you sorted out, and we'll see how you are in the morning. So, leaves the office, Stevie leaves the office. I said, Alan, what's all of that about? Does it all the time. Does it all the time. <laughs> inbuilt me- inbuilt me- mechanism in case he plays badly, I think, in the game. I thought to myself, I wish I'd used that excuse. <laughs> but um, if I'd ever said to excuse me, Mr. Clough, I'm actually in bits. He said, yeah, you just get out of my office. Yeah, you know? one of them so as well. Absolutely. So anyway, and Walsh turned out to be absolutely fantastic. So it was one of those things that, yeah, you know, and you know what? This It wasn't as if to say that was the only time. It was it, it was a reoccurrence every, almost every week. They got, I know, Stevie, I know. You, honestly, I think you will be fine. I really think you'll be all right. And uh, Walsh, who was fantastic for us, in fact, he won a game, which was a really important game for me down at Crystal Palace when the I know when I needed to win a match. And um, Crystal Palace that we beat in the playoffs at Wembley, but this day they are absolutely and utterly all over us. And we win 1-0 and Walsh has, Walsh has won the game on his own by heading everything that day. So honestly, he was outstanding. As he was an outstanding player, he was just, you know, there's sort of a, a hypochondriacal streak about him. Yeah, you know, yeah. Think, you know, so amazing. But it's every, everyone to their own. Ben said, I've seen those players. Yeah, you do. You know what? I might have been one myself. You had some, you had some bruising centre-halves, didn't you? At Leicester, you had uh, Big Matt Elliott, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Spencer Pryor, was he? Spencer oh, Pryor. Jerry Taggart. Yeah, uh-huh. Was Jerry Taggart with Jerry, you? I signed Jerry. Oh, yeah. I signed Jerry on a free transfer. And... Um, I said, Jerry, I, uh, when we were discussing the contract, and Jerry said, I don't want this. And I said, Jerry, you're in a free transfer from Bolton Wanderers. No, he said, Gaffer, I'm out of contract. As if you know, <laughs> I said, no, no I, I, actually, you're, you're a free. Good thing about Tiger. Tiger came in. Uh, I said, well, okay, we'll take your chance. And I had Frank Sinclair as well from Chelsea at the same time. So I loved the centre half, I must admit. You know, always felt that they, they could keep, a, keep a, a, you know, opposition from scoring goals and I might have a chance but um, uh, so uh, Jerry came in one day after a number of months at the football club and I said Jerry it's not really working out is it you know and he said you're not giving me a proper chance yet I said no no but when I do give you a chance I don't think you're actually taking it too well at the minute please just give me give me a proper chance and I'll show you I said okay all right, Jerry you know that's what you think I doubt it I doubt if you'll you'll be in the side but you know anyway he won the player of the year wow. at the end of the year. So well done, Tiger. Um, and uh, that was with centre halves like Matty Elliott. Elliot, yeah. I was going to say Matty Elliott. Elliott well. was fantastic. And he could Monster. get a goal as well. Could he he could Elliott. score a goal. He could play. Yeah. Matty Elliott would be Matty Elliott would be sensational in today's game. He'd be sensational he in today's yeah. game. He can bring it down. He can he can bring it out. Of Come defense. out with it. Yeah. He can score. Wow. He can score goals. He he won the league cup for us against Tranmere in the in uh, the year two thousand. Scored two headed goals. He could play. And when when we were struggling, sometimes with injury, put him up centre forward and give himself a chance. So, yeah, absolutely. he would, wouldn't he? Yeah, Elliot yeah. was fantastic. striker or defender. Yeah. One of the, that's you know the it. remarkable thing: the very first time I ever saw him play, I was managing Wickham Wonders at the time, and he was playing for Scunthorpe, and um, so Scunthorpe were playing Doncaster Rovers, and I thought this is an opportunity for me to see Doncaster because we're playing them the following Saturday. So by luck, this game. So. Myself and John Roberts, and we travel up to uh, to uh, Doncaster. Scunthorpe were playing, and I see a lot of scouts from the from the Premier League at the game. Trevor Francis, I think, was managing Queens Park Rangers. I think Kenny Dalglish would be there. When when you see that, do you think, oh, there's somebody there? What there, there's got to be one player then here that's going to be well, yeah. absolutely. And it was Matty Elliott. Oh, really? And he was hopeless. He was hopeless, hopeless in the game. And so everybody was leaving with about 20 minutes. Oh, he was trying to bring the ball down. He was fidgeting and he was hopeless in the game. So on the way back, on the way back, if you tell me a couple of years later, I'd pay 1.5 million or 1.6 million for him. And I said to Robbo, Robbo, that must have been a disappointment for all those people to watch that boy play. Anyway, about two days later, um, Dennis Smith at Oxford pays the money to like, uh, 175,000 for him or something I guess and I thought, wow, he mustn't have been at the game so Dennis Smith made him and then obviously Oxford and Wickham not too far apart geographically I can see Oxford almost uh, as often as I'm managing Wickham he plays against us as well too so I knew where he was so I'd seen him but to still to take the chance of a player playing at the lower level to walk and go immediately and adjust like he did 
into the game was, yeah. was fantastic. Is that is that a genuine worry? Is it when you start, like you say to, when you're at that top level in that Premier League mm. and you see a younger player or somebody playing in a lower division, mm. Championship League One, League Two, foreign player, mm-hmm. is that can they adapt? Can they get oh, up to co- speed? Of course, absolutely. But remarkable, remarkably, I I actually believe I don't think that I ever really had a worry about uh, about Matt Elliott. Yeah. Genuinely didn't. Only because I'd seen him so often. Then, if I'd been talking about the Scunthorpe thing, I'd still be laughing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was he was absolutely fantastic. But your point, I take, man, you still are concerned about players, particularly from lower level, that you're taking to uh, to make that adjustment. And sometimes, as you've just said, you may need to make these adjustments quickly. The players do because if you lose a number of matches in the trot, even in those days, you you find well, yourself out of a job. When you started at Leicester, so you, you've come from from Wickham and mm-hmm. you were at Conference and you've won the. Conference League um, with Wickham a couple of times. You've got promoted into the Football League, got promoted back to back into then the old Division Two, yep. which is League One yeah, uh-huh. these days. Done really well with Wickham, back to back promotions. Um, would it be fair to say that the Wickham job put you on the footballing map from a managerial perspective? Because obviously you had a great playing career. Oh, there's no no question about that. Absolutely no question. But this idea that people have, oh, listen, let's let's drop down and let's see how things go and learn learn your managerial ropes down there. I just think that's absolute nonsense because you fail down there, you might never get a chance to manage yeah. further up. So I have a lot to thank the Wickham Wonders players for, and at one, whatever sort of messages you're giving them to take on board, to be, to be thrusting every single week. And yeah, so without those Wickham Wonders players... I wouldn't be talking to you today. That's uh, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? When we were prepping, weren't we, Ben? And, and it's so interesting that you say that because I think modern day media, like a football fan like me, would just suggest, "Oh well, a Lampard, a Gerrard, whoever it might mm. be, they need to go and do an apprenticeship at that lower lower end." And you said mm. straight away, didn't you, Ben? Yeah. No, because if they fail, they're not oh, going to have a career. Hard game. to get back Absolutely. up, that isn't it? Yeah. Well, if, if you should say that, Ben. That's right. So Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, exceptional players. So there's a fairly decent chance in in in, in today's today's running of football that they were going to get a chance to let, to to manage at a very decent level to begin with, you know. And Frank Frank started at Derby County, didn't he? Yeah, no? he did, so yeah. so they're really going to get a, a chance to do that because of their exceptional talent as 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 players. People, I thought that I, I mean, if there had been a chance for me to manage at football league level, having had you know reasonable career with Nottingham Forest and w- winning a European Cup. And I probably felt that I there was an entitlement there, which, you know, there's no such thing as entitlement. But I, I felt then that if I had been able to manage at the football league level, I would have taken that opportunity. Those opportunities, I, I was applying for jobs and not even getting a reply. So eventually when Wickham came along, having had two years uh, with Grantham, who were Beezer home Midland divisions, in fact. Wow, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, about 37 divisions below football league yeah. level, you know. I, I don't think anybody outside Grantham were interested in the results. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so this this was really important for me at Wickham. I had to make this work. I think the the perception is, so take just take Gerard and Lampard, for example, then. So I think people think that, yeah, they've, they've managed in the Premier League and even if they do get sacked, if they if they have to drop down to the Championship or a lower, sort of like a newly promoted Premier League, it's, a, it's like, it's almost people <coughs> like think it's a it's an easier job. Mm-hmm. So even managing the Championship, that's not an easier job at not all, to, is it? Absolutely like, It's not. a completely absolutely different kettle of fish, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And you're absolutely spot on because this idea, yes, of course, uh, players like that there will get a, a second opportunity uh, to manage but that is that you're right. That's fraught with difficulty. And if you think you're dropping down a, a level just to you know that you'll automatically take that particular club up, it's just not. It's doesn't not work happening. like that. Yeah, does it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that, and never has done. You mentioned um, you mentioned the Crystal Palace player final a few minutes ago. Mm. Um, I want to talk about we're we're coming into the last few minutes of the game. Yeah. All right. Um, you bring big Kevin Paul off, mm-hmm. um, and you're small Kevin Paul. Small Kevin. Absolutely. Oh, he's a goalie, so I've yeah, got to say yeah, big okay. Kevin Paul. I've got to say big <coughs> Kevin Paul. Um, and you bring uh, Kalich, is it? Kalich. I think it was Ke- yeah. Kalich. So you brought him on. Um, I want to know where the thinking of was for that because we saw a, we saw a recent example of this a few years ago didn't we at Chelsea with um, Kepa and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. who was it who was it yeah, it was the I'll tell you who oh, it was, was it? Yeah. and uh, Mendy yeah. no, 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 no it wasn't Mendy it was the bold Caballero yeah, Willie uh, Caballero absolutely yeah it was Willie Caballero and um, oh the rest is history because you saw what happened on the on the pitch at that moment in time mm-hmm. um, but what, what what was the thinking of that It was because it, he was a big goalie wasn't okay, he okay this was 1996 when I arrived at the football club Leicester a few months earlier than that there Zelko had been signed by Mark McGee 
He's six foot seven. Yeah. He's six foot seven. And in fairness, he was having a poor time. The one thing about Zelko, Zelko had amazing confidence about himself. Really amazing confidence. He came in. I had Kevin Poole. Kevin was very athletic. Not the biggest. Not the biggest. Very athletic. And, and had done very, very well for us. But he was small. Kevin was small. And Kevin was in the goal at the time because Calic had been left out a couple of weeks earlier by Mark. And so when I go in, I'm basically staying with the same goalkeeper and we'll see how things go. Anyway, in training, Zelko, after about three or four weeks, Zelko uh, came in for it. He had been wretched one morning, really wretched. I'm nearly making a joke by saying, I said, you should have stopped one of those uh, those shots. And he said, well, what's the net for? But I'm only joking. <laughs> I, know it's a, I know it's a rubbish joke and he didn't actually say that. But And he had a really, he had a wretched time. But he knocked on the door to me just after the training, got himself ready. He says, uh, right, Gaffer, I'm ready to play on Saturday. I said, did you not see yourself there today? No, 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 no. So honestly, the self-confidence. Yeah, incredible, that. yeah. Anyway, so, and here's what I thought. And I've been thinking about it all week or leading up to the to the uh, the playoff final. If it goes to extra time and then into penalties, I genuinely believe psychologically that I've got a six foot seven goalkeeper who has not played but has come in with the gloves and he is he will now he will dwarf the goal, you yeah. know, and that's and knowing his character as well. Uh, yeah, he will do and he doesn't have to be a, a, any good. He just has to stop. He hasn't one. got to think about he stuff. I think he doesn't have to think about it, and he <laughs> yeah. can stop one. Yeah. And 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 Crystal Palace, having played the whole game and including the extra time against a smaller goalkeeper, suddenly see this giant and go. And I thought, listen, this Zelko doesn't have to be good. You could maybe yeah, reach yeah, out yeah. and stop something. And you you would know yourself sometimes, Ben, that that players having been up against what's happening there. So. So anyway, I have to wait to the last minute because I don't have any phenomenal trust in Zelko, really, <laughs> completely, you know, in the game. So I'm waiting to the last minute. And I don't, I'm not even sure that I told Kevin Poole what was happening. I think Kevin became a bit disappointed. But even so, so there's about, there's about less than a minute to go in the game. And I say, Zelko, uh, you're going in. And I told him and he was getting prepared. And in fairness to him, he's pulling on the gloves like this. Really good. And he said, don't you worry, Gaffer. I'll win it for you. Absolutely. So I thought to myself, and he was a really likable character. As it turns out, he ended up being, wasn't it, Milan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, playing for Australia, things that you see here. But at that time, so he was never affected by by doubts of self-confidence. And so he said, I'll win it for you, Gaffer. I thought, okay, well, well, it gives me a bit of hope then if that's the case. Didn't need him. Didn't need him (laughs) because he's on, he gets on, never touches the ball. Um, Never touched. Clarice Clarice scored, sends it into the nest in the last second of the game. So Zelko on the field didn't actually touch the That's ball it. and the referee blows the whistle and we've won 2-1. And honestly, it was fantastic. So, But I, I had thought about it, really thought about it during the course of the week and it was as, and it was as much to do with psychology as anything yeah. else I thought. I, do you know what? I totally agree. I, honestly, I totally agree. So the Euro final 2021, mm-hmm. you got Donnarumma in yep. goal for Italy. Yep. And I, we, I, we, I was at the game. And I remember watching it and thinking, he looks massive. Mm-hmm. He looks absolutely massive. Yeah. And he is massive. Yes. That's probably yes. why. But anything that wasn't in the corner and he went the right way, he's saving it. He's absolutely, absolutely. saving it. I guarantee yeah. you, he was getting yeah. in the players' heads yeah. as well. So as yeah. they're walking up, you know how it goes. The goal sort of gets smaller as you walk uh-huh. up to the goal anyway. Mm-hmm. Having that big goalie and genuinely absolutely. gets in your head. Yeah, No, don't get me wrong. Crystal Palace had a really fine goalkeeper. Nigel Martin was in yeah, goal at the course, other yeah. day. A really good yeah. goalkeeper. But at least I'm I'm now equaling him with a fellow who's actually a bit even taller again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zelko might get down to one. He might not. He might stop one up there. But honestly, we, we, we didn't use him. And... Uh, and he went on to even on to Wolves then after. And then so obviously that was pre- pre- promotion to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, your start at Leicester wasn't particularly good. Mm. And if that was in today's game, you you could have potentially been sacked, couldn't you? Oh well, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I've gone to I've gone to Leicester. Can't can't win a game to save my life. Um, we've gone ten matches. I ten, I know them. A couple were FA Cup and FA Cup replays, but essentially. And now we're dropping right out of the promotion race, you know, for, or sorry, in terms of uh, in terms of the playoff positions, and uh, yeah, and life is really uncomfortable, particularly against Sheffield United when uh, when we got beaten two 0 at home. There's not a blade of grass in the pitch; hasn't been for two months. So, and the crowd, just the the language of the crowd, I just uh, can you hear all that? Can you hear kind of absolutely? Yeah, because you're close to it, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, and here, well, very difficult. But I think there's about seventeen thousand, and they were roaring. You know, uh, well, let me put it this way: they were 
they were rolling a disapproval at me, you know. So, uh, and it was right round the ground, like the, the language that was being used. And, and it was really uh, pretty poor. So um, my secretary, Ian Sylvester, really, really good guy, Ian said to me that uh, at the end of the game, he said, uh, Martin, I'm going to bring your car around the back, you know. So, oh, yeah. And I Skip said, the crowd. I said, no, Ian, no, I'm going through the front door here. And I, I don't know whether, I don't know whether my supposed self-confidence or, or feeling was exactly how I felt at the time, you know. And there were people outside waiting to give you abuse again. My two daughters were at the game and uh, both uh, very young, very young, had been, and I'd seen nothing but really good days at Wickham. Yeah. So suddenly now their dad's getting a bit of abuse. So on the way home, we don't say a word for about two or three miles. And then my wife is sitting in the car as well too, mad Irish woman. And um, so my girls say, Dad, um, see all that bad language that the crowd read? Was that at you? I said, I'm afraid so. <laughs> and then my wife, I didn't put this in the book, but my wife did say at the end, she said, well, this little Irish voice from the passenger side comes over to him. Well, you deserved it anyway. If you can't beat Sheffield United at home, you deserve it. What chance you got? <laughs> so what chance I, you got? I keep saying my wife was very supportive to me in a non-supportive fashion. That's know. that's worse than what they said to you at the game, that is, when <laughs> your own wife is saying it. <laughs> Which she was, uh, no, I listen, honestly, she would defend me in public, but on a, I, I'm telling you, she she was... Uh, She'll tell you how it is. Oh, my severest critic <laughs> people people won't remember that because they remember obviously recent years uh, last seven or eight years have been great oh of course I mean then, yeah. listen, the game I was telling you about where Walsh was a couple of games later and down at um, Selhurst Park where Walsh was great and we and we, uh, we won 1-0 and we started a little run we'd won on the Tuesday night at Charlton Athletic and so now, now we've got six points in the board and even though we got beaten the following midweek against West Bromwich Albion there we were on a we were on a and we won the last four games of the season and even then we had to wait at Watford we beat Watford Muzzy as it scored in the second half and then we had to wait for a result to see whether Ipswich had not won their game so not we're in the playoffs and I, honestly I had the strong feeling the minute we hit the playoffs yeah 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 we're going to make it we're going to make it easier said now I suppose I, I, I listen I'm a bit blasé about it but I genuinely felt there's, we can do there's it something moment. to be said for that just getting in in the Absolutely. last minute last like when you're not expected to be in there and then all of a sudden it's like oh well, let's give this a go then lads Absolutely. shall we Absolutely and then on top of that the following season we're in the big league we won the we won the league cup beat uh, Middlesbrough who had those, uh, you know, the uh, the three the three foreign players who were terrific. Brazilian, was like, it? Absolutely. Yeah. Janinho. Janinho, yeah. And, Ravinelli. And, and Ravinelli and Emerson. Yeah. And so we won that after a replay. And so now you have a trophy as well too. So that that was great. And, and we went to um, we went to the final one you mentioned then, Ben, about uh, about uh, Tottenham beat us. And, uh, and then the following year we won it again. So it was a really good time and I had a fantastic time and there was the chances of going to other clubs, including Leeds United at the time, it really, it was the crowd that stopped me from going by saying, you know, coming, big support, don't go, Martin, which was actually, I, I know, listen, it, 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 was, it was the biggest thing that I could have asked for, really, and, and, that, and I didn't go. So I was looking forward to it. New season, Heskey had gone to Liverpool for £11 million. The chairman was saying, listen, Martin, we'll use most of this money, we'll try and get some players in. And this was in the summer of 2000. So I was really looking forward to it. Really love Leicester City. Did uh, but the opportunity that came up then to uh, to go to Celtic and I, I, I went. You know? Yeah. How, how did you find it up in Scotland? Uh, it was uh, intense. Yeah. Really intense. Especially if you're a Celtic or Rangers manager. Absolutely. They live it, don't uh, they? Every, they live for uh, that. Every single day. Yeah. Every day. You, I, you, you know, you don't mind sport in the back pages or the second back pages. But when it's about fifteen back pages, in, really, that's honestly it's. Uh, and I, uh, having been, and because of where I was in Northern Ireland, if you're a Catholic, you're a Celtic fan. If you're Protestant, you're Rangers. Really, so Celtic. Although my favourite team in England was Sunderland, but I, but Celtic would have been yeah, the the thing to do. So, and I kind of over the years with the great side of 1967 under Jock Steen winning a European Cup, first British team to do so, you still felt that you know you know about the club. But you don't really know about the club until you're there. You know, it's it's a way of life. Yeah, it is one a way of life. Yeah. Of one life. of very few in the world, isn't there? I'd put mm. Liverpool in that yeah. category. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, do you know certain yeah. clubs that have got that? Newcastle, real, <coughs> Newcastle, I'd say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't yeah. disagree. Yeah, with yeah. but Rangers, 
had dominated, hadn't yeah. they? So for the previous 10 years, Rangers had been been running the if, show, hadn't they? Yes. When you, when you arrived. And they had won the league the previous year by 21 points. Oof. You know, so, and they had a really fine team, really fine side. Dick Advocate was the manager, but they had De Boer, they had uh, oh, yeah, Reina, they had uh, Van Bronckers, yeah. they had a fellow called Michael Moles playing, Rick the Gamma Russo, Rickson, Rickson, unfortunately. Alberts there and Albert, uh, he, uh, yes, he was just about in just about in his final day. Marco Negre been there. Um, Remember the striker? He scored about forty goals in the first half of the season. Yeah, oh. yeah no, um, yes, I think he was just coming just after that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the, that's correct. But I, honestly, those players and young Barry Ferguson, Barry Ferguson, you know, he he was he was what I would call the equivalent of Neil Lennon at Celtic, you know, the driving yeah, force yeah, of Rangers, yeah, even sure. though a young kid, you know, playing in the side. So Rangers were strong. They were really strong. If I'd really, really thought about their team, you know, I might have stayed in the Midlands. You know, yeah. can, you, can, <laughs> you, can you describe to us that mm. Celtic part, that first game when you walk out in front of mm. the fans? Yeah. Yeah, we, we um, right. So we, we started off the season um uh, Mark Viduka was leaving the football oh. club. Mark didn't want to play anymore for Celtic. He'd, he was fighting, with, I think, with about everybody. And um, and so Leeds United bought him for six million. I turned this over, uh, the money over to Chris Sutton, who was having a tough time at, at Chelsea. Had been a really fine player, obviously. Yeah, yeah, Blackburn sure. Rovers with Alan Shearer. Sutton and Shearer. And, and although I, do, I don't say this in the book, I, I should have done, is that Sutton's signing was a landscape changer for us. In every aspect. First of all, big player coming, all right? Viduka, if Viduka had wanted to stay, I would have kept Viduka, of course, because he's a really fine player. But secondly, Henrik Larsson's relationship with, with, uh, with Chris Sutton, both on and off the field, was fantastic. Yeah. And Chris would have been less selfish in the sense that he didn't mind Henrik scoring a bag full of goals as long as he's helping make them. And Sutton was, Sutton was very influential in the dressing room. Dry, would he? Sutton used to say, he said, You'll never find me doing any punditry work. <laughs> Here we go. There's a few of them. Scholes, he said the same thing. Absolutely. But anyway, he's doing really fine. And I just wanted to say this. He was a landscape changer for us because he took the place of Vaduka. And and uh, I genuinely don't... I, I, we might not have won the early games without him. And therefore, we might have struggled the whole season if that was the case, if we not don't win early in, in the matches. So I'd have to say that uh, Sutton coming in at the time he did, um, we might not have had the success we did without him. How good was Henrik Larsson? Phenomenal. Was really he? phenomenal. Phenomenal player, brave as a lion, could score goals. I used to say to John Robertson sometime, John, you know, you, you want Henrik to pull you out of the quagmire, you know, you want to make sure. And I once said to John, John, Henrik hasn't scored yet. And John Robertson said to me, relax, Martin, the game hasn't started yet. <laughs> So I do, it was one of those. It's another poor joke, I must admit. But <laughs> no, it's one of those things. One of those things that you feel about Henrik Lahr. He was terrific. Yeah. And you know what was really pleasing there? After seven years or whatever it was, a real hero at, at, at Celtic, and his UEFA Cup final against Porto, who beat us in the final in Seville in 2003 and went on to win with the, virtually the same team, the champion. Yeah, Jose Mourinho's team, wasn't it? Yeah. Henrik Larsson was sensational in that game. Sensational. Scored two goals, but he's sensational. And see, here, here was the most pleasing thing. A lot of people were saying he could only do it in Scotland. You know, up in Scotland. Yeah. He goes to Barcelona, trying to break into that side who had Ronaldinho at that time and all those players playing for them. He comes on in the final, makes a, makes a change. I know Arsenal were down to the 10, yeah, yeah. but he makes the change yeah. in the game. And then does great at Barcelona. And then, uh, and then Alex Ferguson signs him. And uh, if Henrik Larson was one year old, you know, he was, about, I think, about 33, Yeah, 34. he was coming towards the end. Yeah, coming towards, towards the end, end, yeah. Scored goals in the Premier League. Yeah, he did, yeah. 34. So I couldn't be more pleased that a lad who, you know, would, you would have thought was definitely in the autumn of his career is scoring goals for Manchester United. Still had it in him. Still had it in him. Um, we'll talk about Aston Villa in a second. I just want to know what that atmosphere was like at the Rangers-Celtic derby. Oh, the derby, the... the uh, my, my first derby game, which you know has almost become folklore up in Celtic, because I think that that um, I think it gave us the confidence to go on. Anyway, we're playing the game it's Sunday morning, and it's an early kickoff. As obviously, you know, obviously <laughs> for an early kickoff, and you're going in, and of course I'm I'm unbelievably nervous. You don't want to try and show it in, in, in front of the players, 
We are 3 0 up in 11 minutes. <laughs> 11 minutes, every attack. Honestly, we've even, even at 3 0 up after 11 minutes. I knowing you as a person only just from this and reading your book, you would not have been comfortable at three I, now. Oh no, I wanted the game to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, I want honestly, I wanted. I think I turned to Robbo and I said, "How long's left?" You yeah. know, and uh, I seriously, but it was yeah, absolutely because Rangers were too too good. They get they get a goal back at three one, and just before half time, I think it was uh, Wallace might have scored a goal that was given offside and they might even have been onside at the time. It might only be the only good decision I got from referees up there in five years up yeah, there. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but And had they scored made it 3-2 three, three, at half time, it's a different ball game. Within a few minutes of the second half, Larson scores a great goal. <sighs> Sutton scores a great goal, lobs the goalkeeper. And Kloss is the goalkeeper. Yeah, Stefan yeah, Kloss, yeah, yeah. one of the best. Yeah. Did you think he was a really good goalie? Go- proper Absol- goalie, yeah. Proper goalie. Proper goalie. Yeah. And... Uh, and and even then, the first time I had a sigh of relief, and I genuinely mean this, man, is that Chris Sutton scored with three minutes to go to make it six two, and I thought we're, we're home. Yeah, we're home here. We're home. Honestly, that's how worried I was really? about the game, and it gave us the confidence to go on. Rangers hammered us in in November, which was our only defeat really until we'd won the league eventually. But even so, even though they beat us at Ibrox, they scored a couple of set piece goals uh, and things like this, but they were far too strong for us. And even though we lost a bit of a bit of momentum with it, we didn't lose hard. So really, the victory the victory gave us the confidence to go on. And even though Rangers had beaten us, we could still we could still carry on for the rest of the season. And so we beat them the next couple of times that we played them. But that was yeah, I would probably all stem from that game. Had Rangers had Rangers have beaten us that day at, at Celtic Park, yeah, tables could have turned. Absolutely, yeah, it's amazing. That's how football works. People don't understand that these some of these early doors results and stuff yeah. that goes your way sets the tone for you the rest of the season, absolutely. the rest of your career at that club. Correct. And it's brilliant, isn't well, it? You said about uh, with with Leicester winning the last four games, um, taking you into the playoffs, mm-hmm. and obviously that that start and the momentum. And I always remember Cl- Sir Clive Woodward, and he said the biggest word in in sports is momentum. Mm-hmm. And is that something you believe? Oh, absolutely. As I said to, to uh, said to Ben there earlier, I, I felt you're never completely sure, but I felt when 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 the result came through, we we've, we've won at Watford, and then you're waiting for a moment or two to make sure that 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 um, that uh, Ipswich have not got the result, and then the big whoop of delight, and I'm, I mean you're in now, you have a chance, whereas you know maybe 20 minutes before that you might have not have had the chance. I just felt that that momentum would carry us through. Now we're really beginning to believe in ourselves. The players are are beginning to believe in myself, I think, at the time, which is unbelievably yeah, important sure. for a manager, really important. And, um, and you know, and, a, and then became a sort of a, um, a driving force, really, for us to carry us through. So we played Stoke City in the two games. Kevin makes a fantastic save to keep us in it, nil-nil at Filbert Street. We win. I patch up all my differences with Gary Parker. We had the big arguments in the dressing room. And... Um, and I thought Gary was a bit of a troublemaker, which he wasn't. You know, I was just not seeing the picture properly. And um, so Parker comes into play. He's terrific, uh, terrific at Stoke and plays a big part. Takes the penalty for us with 15 minutes to go to level the game against Crystal Palace, against Nigel Martin, who's a big fella. And there's nobody I would rather have, ta- have in my team take that penalty than Gary Parker. Honestly, sticks it in the net and we win the game. So momentum things. But yeah, getting back to your point, you just felt the momentum was with you. That's the thing. And that was with the Celtic. Obviously, you've, you've gone up there. You've won the league. You've got to the UEFA Cup final, and then into the Champions League mm. for the first yeah. first time. Yeah, think, first time. Yeah, Celtic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is which is remarkable, really. Well, we got nine points from the first. Uh, we got nine points and didn't go through. Yeah, didn't go through. We were. Um, I have to say this: our opening game, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> should have been against uh, Porto, Porto ourselves, uh, and Juventus in the group. And um, uh, our game against Porto was uh, postponed because of 9 11. Oh, so, our okay. first matches in Juventus, we're drawing 2 2. We're doing great considering we know we've no real experience in the side. Drawing 2 2 with a minute to go. A fellow falls, Juventus boy falls down in the penalty area. I mean, genuinely fell down. You could see it there. And the referee gives a penalty and they won 3 2. And eventually, yeah, and I'll tell you, you don't. So all that's saying, oh, listen, oh, that was a bit tough luck. But you've only five games left to try and make it up. Mm. That's the point. So we won all three games at home, got the nine points, lost the match, and 
It was Anderlecht we lost to, which we we shouldn't have done. It's maybe my fault as much as anything else. But um, uh, and we lost to Porto, but we beat we beat all three teams at home, including Juventus, where Sutton was phenomenal that night. And uh, and the and we've got nine points in the board. And would you believe it? Porto score, I think, in the last minute of their match. So even by the time that our final whistle is gone, we still don't know. We think that there's a possibility. Porto score in the last minute. I was uh, against Anderlecht, I think. Was it Anderlecht? I'm, sh- I'm sure it was. But anyway, in the last minute at home to get their result. Oh, Otherwise, we would have been there. Gone through. Following, following year, we're in with Leon and a few, and we are drawing 2-2. With a minute to go, that would be enough to see us through. And big Bobo Baldy yeah. handles the ball in the penalty area. I have no idea why. <laughs> I'm not going to fight with him afterwards because he'll win. But at the end of the day, I, he handles the ball. Otherwise, we're through again. You know, so massive disappointments in that aspect. But fine lines, isn't it? Fine lines. Um, I want to talk about your time at Villa. Okay. Mm. Um, there's three seasons in particular that stick out at Villa. Um, I remember back in the day, Villa were a genuine force, weren't they? A genuine threat. So three seasons in a row, you finished sixth in the Premier League mm-hmm. with Aston Villa, which is an incredible achievement. I think nowadays, if a team, somebody of the similar stature to Aston Villa, if they finish sixth in the league, whoever that manager is, is getting linked with the big boys. He is getting a move to that. He is like gold dust kind of thing. Um, and I want to just read out this list of Aston Villa players, okay? Because... Um, I remember playing against Aston Villa this season, one of these seasons, I think it was 2010. Um, if I can just get my pictures up here. Um, it was 2010 and I was at Man United. I was only on the bench for this game, okay? It was a Wednesday night and listen to this team first, by the way, guys. Listen to this Aston Villa team. It is absolutely ridiculous. So in goal, Brad Friedel. Um, you had players like Luke Young, Wilfred Boomer, Steve Sidwell, Richard Dunn, Stuart Downing, Ashley Young, James Milner, John Carew, who scored an awful lot of goals for you, Gabby Agbonlahor, Mark, Mark Albrighton, Nathan Delfonso. Delf- yeah, Delfonso. Yeah, Delfonso. Yeah. It sounds as if it would be Delfonso. Yeah. Um, Curtis Davis, yeah. Fabian Delf. Yeah. These are the kind of players we are talking about, yeah. right? So um, I remember, uh, like I say, I was on the bench for this game. Man United were number one team in the league, killing it every single game. Um and we went for the, the 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 team talk before the game. So we're just about to leave the hotel, but Sir Alex Ferguson's giving his team talk. And he says, lads, um, he says, I need you to get your head around this game tonight because this Aston Villa team at Villa Park on a Wednesday night under the floodlights is about the hardest game you will play this season. And I remember him saying it and everybody genuinely kind of went, hmm, okay. Because we had seen this Aston Villa team, you got the likes of Ashley Young running right, James Milner running around kicking people. <laughs> I love James Milner, um, and he was not wrong though because the game kicked off. The atmosphere at Villa Park when it's rocking, by the way, Absolutely. is something special, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is something I special. Um, and we actually managed to scrape a draw. To be perfectly honest, it was a scraping of a draw, even though Nani got sent off early doors. It didn't matter. Villa were incredible. Honestly, they were absolutely fantastic. What was what was being a manager at Villa at that time like? Okay, right. So my my first year there, uh, uh, Mr. Lerner became the owner of the football club. I took over from Doug Ellis. And although Doug was the one that actually signed me. Yeah. And uh, so, I, again, R- Randy put a lot of trust into me at the time. He wanted to change. He wanted to change Villa. He wanted, he wanted a Villa fan to go to a game, not only just to try and enjoy the match, but to enjoy the whole atmosphere. He tried to improve the whole end, you know, the... Little bars that that's kind of Americanized. That's yeah, the American way, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, exactly. But I, 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 and I, I didn't disagree with him at all in those there. Uh, like everything else, if you're winning football matches, you know you can make these changes, and and uh, and everybody's happy. So first year was you know tough old year for us, you know. But then we started to get get it together, and the signing of the players signed James Milner, signed Ashley Ashley Young, signed um, uh, Stuart Downing, signed um, uh, big. Uh, big Carew yeah. on a, a, a swap with Milan Barros and wow. Carew was Carew was a character you know a real character he was um, uh, I mean he was brilliant for us when he's on his day yeah. 
You just had to make sure he was on his day. He liked the night. He liked the day out. He liked he liked John, didn't he? He liked both the day and the night out, you know? <laughs> and not, both together. If and you not, could. yeah, exactly, and not necessarily always in Birmingham. You know, it <laughs> yeah. might be down in London, it might be somewhere else. So, uh, well, we're from obviously we're from the Midlands, man. Yeah. So we we kind of you hear a lot of stories about the Villa players, and we remember this back in the day. And John Carew was a regular, whether it's out in Leamington or Birmingham yeah. or Stra- Street, whatever it was, it was. Absolutely, John Carew was likely to be somewhere nearabouts. Well, honestly, <laughs> John had to suffer a number of fines for me because I John of course would deny everything I wasn't out it wasn't out and then when you show him a picture of himself <laughs> yeah. out there and the clock behind him and the date you know like, but um and getting him to play all the time so John John would also as well too uh he obviously loved by his mother who was living over in Norway at the time and uh, if John would make a phone call to her and she's uh, asking how everybody is or whatever and then she might detect a croaky voice or something, I guess, hearing his voice and said, you're not fit to play. So, so John would actually come in, you know, and say, oh, I don't think I'm, my mother doesn't want me to play. John, John, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, uh, listen, I'm exaggerating slightly. Yeah. But it, 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 so you had to convince John, John, you're actually, you're perfectly all right and you're brilliant. Yeah. And so there's only so many times, a finite number of times you can tell somebody's brilliant without thinking, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. But he was terrific for us, really good, and became a massive hero with the, with yeah, the Villa yeah. fans. Really. Yeah, so we had, we had you know, signing those players was was terrific, really, and managed them. I, I, do you know what? I, I never felt, I never felt that, um, uh, of course, players would try and have their say in the dressing room, um, and, uh, uh, you would if you uh, if you thought that they were talking balderdash, you know, you just say, "Excuse me," you know, just leave it, cut it, uh, you know, cut it out. But um, I remember when I left the football club, I think it was one of those moments where you know the the cameras at, at the at the training ground. I think it was Curtis Davis wind down the window. We bit like Harry Redknapp yeah, by yeah, doing yeah. transfer deadline day, and somebody put the camera through him and he said, oh, "Well, you know, managers left," you know. And um, I said, uh, Curtis said, ah, he always had his favourites. Well, if I'd been there, if I'd been there, I would have interjected and said, yeah, that's true, Curtis, because they usually were my best players, you know. Oh, I like it. I like it, Martin. I like it. So uh, (laughs) anyway. Was um, was there any players, Martin, that, so you mentioned, obviously with with Steve Walsh, a little bit of the, a little bit of touch of the hypochondriac, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, John Carew, Gary Park, you didn't quite get off, but turned no, out to I, be eventually, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Him, but but were there know. any players over the course of your career that you you couldn't quite work out? Because there's a lot of different characters yeah. in football. Are there any players that you couldn't quite judge or didn't quite wrap your head around? Uh, it's a very good question. I I I, I, I really it is a good question, and I, and I don't. Uh, you, you know, you, you as a manager, I think I really think that if you're working with somebody for a no, a decent period of time. You should know. You should know what he's all about. Yeah. You know, you really should do. If you're working with somebody for three or four weeks, you know, you, you might not find out anything. Sure. But if you're working for somebody for a year, and um, uh, I think that you should have a fair idea. So I, I don't think so. But you know that, that you know I, I might just walk out of here and then think, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, I should have yeah, said absolutely. it. I think I think people will find it interesting to hear about. Um, because like I say I've played for 20 years I've seen it myself like I see it every Friday or every Saturday morning the amount of times players would wake up and they've got a slightly sore back and they'd go I can't play today Mm -hmm. and you're thinking get to the game Mm -hmm. do a fitness test once your adrenaline kicks in you'll be absolutely fine but I I don't think people understand the the sort of mental fragility of players do they of course of course yeah it's you know uh, I mean um, this is a wonderful life from Monday to Friday and then Saturday becomes a different ball, yeah. as it used to be in the old days. Now you play so many other games now, Saturday, Sunday. But in those days, yeah. So being a professional footballer is a fantastic life, Monday to Friday. Then, you know, that, then you're waking up on the Saturday and think, oh gosh, I have to play. Yeah. yeah. I have to play. Ooh. Um, but, you know, when, when we started a run at Nottingham Forest, and really you're going for it, and we had a great, great manager in charge, then you did feel that you did actually look forward to the games. To want to play. You you felt as if you're going to win. You're yeah. going to win. We could go to Anfield and, and Liverpool were by a, a mile the best side, maybe even in Europe at the time. But we had the Indian sign over them. We yeah. could beat them. Yeah. And we did not fear even going to Anfield. You had complete and utter respect for what they had. You know, Dalglish, Sunes, all those players, Alan Hansen. But, you know, we got to a stage where we really didn't, didn't actually fear playing, yeah, yeah. you know. What sort of a uh, a manager were you with your players? So, um, 
if if there's like certain players who didn't like training, for example, mm. and they'd come in happily and say, oh, manager, do you mind if I don't train like today or tomorrow? I'll be there on Saturday though. <clears throat> once you get to know the players, yeah. once you know the players, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Really had no problem with this here. Martin Lawson, for instance, the big centre half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin Lawson could not train most of the week. He was yeah. a wee bit like Paul McGrath in yeah. that sense. But you knew that Lawson would be there for you. He was also, I think Martin was probably the worst five-a-side player you ever seen. <laughs> but he had available on a Friday and the lads would do yeah, 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 Martin's yeah. feet were all over the place. But you knew he'd be there. He'd be there for yeah. you on Saturday. That's the thing, isn't Absolutely. it? I think Saturday, Saturday's the thing that pays the bills. Absolutely. I think a lot of people need to yeah. understand this. Training's yeah. great. and yeah. But if you can turn up on a Saturday and yeah. do it, yeah. there's a lot to be said for that, isn't well, there? Again, it's getting back to your point. Once you know the players, once you know what they'll do and you know their characters, that's fine. Let's say Martin Larson had said to me in the, my first week, oh, by the way, I, I can't train, but I'll be all right. And then plays hopelessly. You start to think, you know, maybe this is a different ballgame. But Larson's appearances and, and performances for us were outstanding that you give them the time. You give them the time. Because you know Martin Larson had, had been in Italy. And the one thing that the Italians will do, they if you said to Martin Larson, you have to do your knees sore, you have to do a hundred. A hundred, you know, uh, yeah, pickups, whatever the extensions yeah. or whatever the case. Martin Larson would not do 99. He would do 100. He would do them. He would do the number. Yeah. You know, honestly, he would not miss out. So once you get to know those players, you give them a bit of leeway, particularly if they're very, very important to you. Other players you come in, I'm, you know, I, I jokingly say I didn't mind leaving them out of the team because, you know, you know, they come in and say, I should be in the side. Well, why? Why should you be in the team? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I played, uh, I played um, as well as somebody else in the side. Well, did you really? It was not my view. So some players, they know that um, kind of irritated yeah. me. I didn't mind leaving out of the team. No, but over, overall, generally, I'm kind of having a, a bit of a joke. But overall, yeah, the players, um, the, the you know, m- most players that manage, you get to know them. And if they want a wee bit of time, for instance, James Milner. Milner was there for you every single week. Was fit, really, really fit. Never would want to miss a game. We got to the League Cup final against Manchester United. And James didn't, uh, he came to me and he said, listen, to give myself some energy because he had played loads of games. He hadn't missed a game. He might miss the week beforehand. And I think, I said, James, no problem. No problem, league game beforehand. And why we're going to miss him in the game to give him a chance to win this medal, you know, at, at Wembley. Yeah. But you know the players. You yeah. you now know these players and they know what they're all about. And I've got a, um, I've got a theory that um, in football, one of the biggest currencies in, in football, Martin, is days off, is time off, time away. Yeah. Um, and I've actually spoke to quite a few of the lads that have played under you before and they always say the same thing, that you were absolutely world-class, right? Craig Gardner used to say this all the time, actually. He would say, if we won on a Saturday afternoon, right, and we were doing well and playing well and the lads were all pulling together and the team was doing well, he said he would happily come in and go, see you Tuesday, lads. See you Wednesday, lads, yeah. in fact. And yeah. he said that was like, Phew. if if you could have said... Here's a million quid, or I'll see you Wednesday. It would have been a 50 50. It's which funny, it's absolutely right. And I felt this here because Brian, Brian Clough at the time, and Brian Clough was a great believer in getting rest, rest in the games. Now, he's not, once we leave the football club, he doesn't know what we're doing. He doesn't know that John Robertson and myself and Tony Woodcock might flick off to an, a, a wine bar in the afternoon <laughs> or something like this. But overall, he was, he was, if you're putting your lot in, you need some rest, you need mm. time to recuperate. And so, it was it's exactly as you say, it was like manna from heaven. If we win this game, lads, you're off until till Wednesday. And even the boys who'd want to train thought, oh, unbelievable. So you felt yeah. this was the biggest bonus you could possibly oh, get. It is, yeah. But it's only because if they if they treat it properly and do something and, and, and are a wee bit of time with their family or whatever the case may be, they come back refreshed. Yeah. You know, you're and you're ready to go again. Through that, yeah. And I honestly and so and because I was using the same players constantly. You know, um, I remember Alex Ferguson saying to me that season that we're talking about, um, he said, Martin, I noticed that you play the same players all the time because you had a certain trust in players. So, and we were playing a lot of games as well to me. So giving them a couple of days to recuperate, I felt was the was the best thing for them. With an easy option, yeah. Just, just one thing, which um, another story, a little bit like Steve Walsh one earlier on. Before Randy Lerner took over, mm. um, Deadly Doug was Doug Ellis was mm. was obviously in charge. Um, when you mentioned Martin Larson earlier on, it just triggered triggered a little story from your book. Uh-huh. Where is it your first league game? It yeah. was the first game at the Emirates. Mm-hmm. One all. Olaf Malberg scores. It's one all. It's a great start. Um, but you're summoned to Doug's office on the Monday. Yeah. Well, a couple of minutes left in the game, 
and uh, and Arsenal have just equalised with about six minutes to go. So this game, and now they've decided to uh, to leave the passing game and try and get the winning goal. So uh, I've been at the football club a fortnight, a fortnight. So it's the first game. Uh, I signed on a Friday, and this was the uh, Saturday or something this year, 14, 15 days later. And so I've had very little time to to put the team together. And uh, so Martin Lawson had been doing the training, but he was a sub in the game. And uh, and obviously, I, now that they're going a bit longer, uh, Arsenal, I, I want to put Martin on for the last few minutes. And in fairness, he had it a couple clear in the game. So we've got the draw. We're absolutely delighted. We're in the Emirates dressing room. And I saw Doug coming down. And really, this is my territory. But I thought, well, OK, listen, we'll leave it now. We can always speak later. But Doug, was there was something bugging him a little bit. But he just said, well, maybe could you um, come to my office on Monday? I said, absolutely fine. Thinking, you know, maybe want to talk about the game, you know, new manager coming in, want to talk about the game. And that was when he said, I, why did you put Martin Larson on with a couple of minutes to go? And no one had ever asked me about, no one questioned, you. questioned yeah. me. In any yeah. And I said, what? And he said, well, you know, I said, well, I'll tell you then, Doug, okay. Because as you saw yourself, you were down at the Emirates and you saw where Arsenal were going a bit longer. And you know that Martin headed too clear in the last three minutes, got his head to two, where perhaps maybe some of our players might not have done. And that's what he said, no, I know, because he's a £3,000 in appearance. <laughs> and for any minutes on the field. And I would, Doug, I, even Doug sort of semi-smiled when I said to him, Doug, I'm here at Fortnite. I have no idea what players are on at this minute. None of I'm sure I'll get to know it. I said, but it's not the, it's not the, my foremost thought in my mind that somebody's coming on the field to play. So I pull it's him off. It cost you three thinking, grand. Three grand. And it was, you know, so it was funny. And I, I, just as I turned to walk out the door, I remember saying to him, I said, you know, we might need Martin on Wednesday night if that's all right with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Martin, absolutely brilliant, mate. Um, there's so many more stories like this in the book, by the way. And if you want to buy it, we're going to put the link in the description down below. Also, though, we are going to give away one of these books. Uh, we'll get you to sign it if that's okay, absolutely. Martin. Yep, uh, we'll get you to sign it. All you need to do is get yourself over to the Foscast podcast Instagram page. Give this picture a like of this book and we'll pick somebody at random. Uh, Martin, that was it's absolutely top Fond- class. Oh, Thank absolutely. you very much. Thank you, best. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate that. Okay. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Foscast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify of the Foscasts.